big rocks and all that sort of thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Uh, actually, I'm just going to do what John calls my DJ voice. Mm. Hi there. Welcome along. Uh, what is it there? Well, uh, to the Mick Wall podcast with yeah. my, uh, what are you? My gay friend who I tolerate, <laughs> Johnny Yorton. Yes. How, how do you identify, John? How do I identify? Uh, I identify as rock. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So my, my, my pronouns are RK. <laughs> yeah. So you have to write that if you're writing about me. So you're like, to be a rock... And, and not, not to, to roll. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, I do roll as well. But. Oh, you do? Oh, you oh, go yeah, You've got to roll, ways. haven't you? Yeah. You go oh, yeah. You rock Always and have. roll. Always have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, That's very I, modern of you. I play for Manchester City and Manchester United. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like I'll call you Tevez. Dennis, Dennis Law. Or Dennis Law. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so there's a there's an exciting beginning to the show. Um, we're going to talk about... Uh, Today we're going to talk about the mighty. We'll talk, to... about, we'll talk about the week you've had because it's just been—it's been a week about one man. It really has, yeah. and that man is Ronnie James Dio, dead now for some ten years, twelve, twelve years. years. God, yeah. but somehow still with us. Well, he is immortal. I mean, yeah. I think he is immortal. I think he is. I think it's like, like he's I, here. I've always thought of him kind of like the Elvis of metal because. Yeah. Because um, he looked like Elvis. Well, apart from the stunning <laughs> resemblance. Yeah, well, they um, both had black hair. Um, uh, both he, lived he, in he, LA. He's known, he, you know, he's known for the voice. Yes. Um, Elvis, for most people that weren't there in the 50s going, what's this rock and roll thing? He became a sort of a father, mythical sort of... God, I've got to tell you, it's this all... I think you're right. A thing about think a thing that just same. came to my head about Elvis, and this will connect to Ronnie Dio, is that um, uh, Yasmin, my my better half, once took me to uh, an Elvis exhibition, and it was fantastic. It was all of all these costumes. Was this in London? Uh, yeah, and oh. we got into the room, and the thing that we were, we were collapsing laughing at was that Elvis was like regular sized guy, but he had massive feet. <laughs> when you saw his shoes, they're almost like like clown shoes they were about three feet long you know these <laughs> specially made boots well you're not the and same course, you? big feet big feet specially made boots. exactly yeah so he had this <laughs> they were really funny and i still think about them to this day and you i still, still think, do you dream i still sometimes them? laugh do you I say still to say, yourself i'll you be say in to the yourself, middle of the street do you say to minding yourself, my own business and i'll suddenly think of elvis's shoes and i'll laugh and do you start going? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, and then that made me think. Well, he was known for having huge feet. Ronnie was known for, you know, like I was known for his one of his physical, not really an attribute, but one of his physical characteristics was that he was he was a short guy. He's a little guy. He was, and it came to define almost everything about Ronnie, which is quite interesting. I don't know if this is touched on in your super film that we're going to talk. Well, I'm going to. But tell I would you, have got. I would have got someone. On the air, talking about that, because how much of his life, how much of his personality, did it dictate that everyone was always calling him Little Ron? Well, that would be a documentary that you would make. This this was an official documentary, right? Who which but, was made but, by who? Um, I'll tell you his name. It was American American company. Dude. The guy I dealt with was, and I'm going to tell you his name because I can never remember it. I did this. Don't forget about a year and a half ago. I can't even remember my own children's names or what no. I did yesterday, let alone the name of a It'll guy. be called something like, um, you know, yeah, Brandon Francisco. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> it is. I just thought of that. Yeah, I think is you it, should change your theory, name. I, I have this theory on American names. Go. go on. Don Argot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Don Arden. I know. Are you sure like it's a... not Don Arden? You just misspelled it in your... 
And he's from uh, 9.14 pictures. Are you sure it's not Don Argo? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but let me set the scene. Yes. Uh, as you know, um, I've done literally dozens, possibly hundreds of these sorts of things yeah. over the years. Um, like I was saying to someone the other night, you get the same money for the shit one as you do the good ones. So you might as well do them all. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I do. I'm like the Michael Caine of music documentaries. <laughs> Is that what you think? Yes. <laughs> does he ever turn down a picture? Yeah. See, uh, no, that's true. He doesn't, does he? That's but what then, I'm talking. What do you think he, I meant? That then I'm... he sits there. Go, doesn't he famously sort of sit in his house, going, "That's the swimming pool that yeah. you know Batman built, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do that. I sit there going, "That's the uh, that's the that's the check that, that that's the that's the um, that's the." Uh, uh, half dozen plates I bought yeah. at Tesco. We're talking about my... wishbone ash. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've also been lucky to do a few good ones, but you never know where they're going to come from. So, example, um, uh, one of the best until now, one of the best ones I've done was when albums ruled the world. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was on BBC Two, wasn't it? I came up with the idea. I wrote it. I got the people together. I had a big part of that, and they didn't fuck it up. It was originally called Long Player, right? And then on the day of uh, the week of transmission, the head of BBC Four went, "No, it's going to be When Albums Ruled the World," which we thought was a terrible title, but in fact, Actually, it was a really good well, title. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that was quality. But I remember you'll remember this, I'm sure, in the late eighties. Arena, that highly regarded arts strand on BBC Two, made a documentary called Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal, yeah. And I again was hired to help out, and it's a, it's it's a whole other story for another time. But it was a fucking disaster. It was shit. It was so bad I had my name taken off. Right. So you never know. But my guess going so what so what this is is this is a a, a documentary on the life of Ronnie James Dio. Um, it's called Dreamers Never Die. It's just come out in America and here in Europe. Did the premiere in Ireland two nights ago. And I think as of October, October, November time, it's going to be streaming on Showtime. Oh, okay, good. Or whatever your local equivalent is around the world. Um, that'll oh, be the inevitable. I'm, I'm trying to get a you, link for you to see. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You've been trying all week. Well, I tried yesterday. Maybe you should phone Don Argo and see if he's fucking got one. Um, Don, if you're listening, send me a link. um, So, uh, it's called Dreamers Never Die. It's official. You know, Wendy uh, obviously has final approval on everything. Um, It's not directly linked to the book. But it's right. clearly, you know, it, it's it like overlaps. a sister project, sort a little of thing. Bit, yeah. yeah. I and mean, when we were first doing the book, the idea was I was going to work with these guys closely on it. There was going to be a much more of an overlap, and then COVID hit, and they're in America and I'm over here, and it just went to shit. And then sometime in 2021, when Americans could come here, but we still couldn't go there, they were able to get over here. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So I did all this in this very room we're in now. Studio. <coughs> and my, my the studio. Ex- in this studio. Yeah. Come to the studio. My home studio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my fully equipped. Yeah, it is fully Home equipped. studio. Yeah. Um, so my expectations were not high. I mean, I knew I'd done a decent job, but that doesn't mean anything, you know. And I thought, and these guys who made it, they, they came across to me clearly as DO fans. I mean, professional filmmakers, but they knew they knew their deal. Yeah, because the problem always seems to me to be, and this is what how all of these things stand or fall, regardless of whether they're official. And from the few ones that I know about, it depends how much footage there is. That's the key. You need that footage that people haven't seen before. You do, and most people from the BBC. Honestly, I, I, it'd be easier to try and think of one I haven't done documentaries with. They never go the extra yard on yeah. the archive. Yeah. Never. Um, so I just thought, okay, Wendy's approving it. These guys 
they know their Dio, they like their Dio, they're, they're, they're metal guys with the hair and all that. And um, so I thought, who knows? I didn't even know if it would go all the way to his death or if it would end in 86 like the book. Yeah. You certainly didn't know if it would be truthful, how much into the nitty gritty would it go. So Would um, other people take part? Would, you know, would his former bandmates take part and so on? Certain bandmates. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, and of course I've been in millions of these, so I'm like, it doesn't matter to me if it's truly average. Uh, so, yeah, no, I don't they're, care. They're yeah. all truly average, no, you know? Care. So, um, anyway, they have this uh, premiere with a red carpet at the Curzon in Shaftesbury Avenue in London. Yeah, you, you invited me. I couldn't go, sad. I really wanted to go, but I couldn't Ooh, go to... I think... Um, Married, at first sight archers, was, did Married at First Sight was on. <laughs> I had to watch it. You actually do watch it. I do watch it. You are. You and Linda, my wife, are so sad. We should do a podcast about Married at First Sight. Yeah. What a program. No. Carry on. Dreadful shit. You're treading the red carpet in your little boots. So, (laughs) so... um, Were there people going, it's Mick Wall? No. Um, Go in, it starts, and, uh, oh... Looks good, you know. So you looked, you hadn't seen it at all. No, you nothing, nothing. Really, not a trailer, nothing. Right, wow. And um, and I'd, I'd suggested, you know, various things they might try and chase down, as I always do, with zero expectation that they would. Will actually do it. Yeah, yeah. because they don't. You know, yeah. um, it all costs money, and, all, and the whole point for them is to make money. Um, dude, I think it's possibly the best thing I've ever been in. Wow. By a mile. Wow. It's it went way beyond my expectations. Uh it was funny in, in places. Uh it it was way more honest than I had anticipated. I mean obviously In you know, what respect? Uh Wendy joking about how when she first met uh, Ronnie she wasn't attracted to him because he was too short. Right, yeah. yeah. Um but it went all the way up to his death. You know, you've got footage of him in the hospital. Oh, wow. You've got Wendy talking very honestly about uh, all the things that, that really we didn't get into in any depth in the book. There was a reason we kind of stopped at 1986, because after that it gets messy. Um, but also he hadn't, as I understand it, he hadn't written that much beyond 86 himself. Well, to be honest, he hadn't actually written that much beyond the early 70s yeah yeah so i mean he'd 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 sketched out some pages on where he wanted it to go but once yeah. he joins rainbow well the, the map is already drawn yeah you know? i mean yeah you go yeah. from rainbow you've to got Black the Sabbath archive to stuff Dia. and all of that but you've not got as you say you've not got him with the lifetime's experience looking back on it well Truthfully, we did have as much on that leading up to from 86 to when he died. Right. But Wendy decided she didn't want to go there. And, and that's because, you know, although they uh, still uh, lived in the same house and still loved each other, they weren't together as a couple for a long, long, long time. Um, and she doesn't go into specifics, but she does tackle that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, which I did not anticipate. Um, in fact, met Wendy remarried some years ago. Uh, that's another story which isn't in the documentary. But, um, uh, it, you know, the whole Vivian Campbell thing. Now, Vivian Campbell's not in it, although they do have some archive from interviews he gave over the years, audio. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Wendy, Wendy nails it. Um, uh, y- uh, you have Tony Iommi in it and Geezer Butler uh, you have Vinnie Peachy. obviously no Jimmy Bain because he's dead you have Claude uh, who is it? Claude Schnell who took over after Vivian oh no that was um, Craig key- Goldie Craig Goldie Clay- Claude Schnell was the keyboardist yeah. yeah Craig Goldie's in it lots of other contemporaries uh, including Jack Black, who's who's quite who's a huge Dio fan, isn't he? Huge yeah. Dio, genuine yeah, yeah. singing "Holy Diver" yeah. on Saturday Night Live, amazing. Um, the uh, but but yeah, we talk about archive. They've got it. 
I mean, so not, this is, is this personal archive stuff, stuff that Ronnie had himself. Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, yeah. that's the, it's the same stuff I was drawing material from when I was working on the book, because uh, she's got every cutting ever. She's got every video and audio, but she's also got things like the actual trumpet that he was forced to play every day for hours as a child. Yeah. From about the age of five to about the age of 13, 14. Yeah, because, I mean, those that sort of... I mean, you can understand why, especially back in the day, Ronnie wasn't sort of ultra keen on people knowing his background. Right. Because it was... I mean, it was an interesting background, wasn't it? But it was, you know, first of all, it was rooted in classical music and, uh, uh, you know, the early days of rock and roll bands with funny little names ronnie and the red caps was it and things like that even before that i mean they had the pictures they played some of the music you know it's ronnie uh dressed up as dean martin yeah you know, the little bow tie yeah. and all that stuff yeah because it began in the 50s for him yeah so back in the day that back in the day of the 80s that kind of aged him too much didn't it for it well, really that would have made him look like he's from ancient Rome. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How old is this yeah. fucking guy? Yeah. You Older know? than Richie Blackmore, who's from the Middle Ages. Because <laughs> uh, those are the days where if you were 35, that yeah, was you considered were, we geriatric thought, I still laugh music. at that. We still think, God, the people like Magnum and so on. They're 40, those guys. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like, no, they're not. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Probably 39. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but... Um, uh, so that's so, really interesting that it touches on this this and they did it really early nicely. background. So, like when I'm talking about his grandmother or something, here's a picture of him and his grandmother. You actually get to see the wow. evil grandmother oh, who came up with the yeah, sign. The, yeah, the, the she famous looks like yeah. horns. Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine she probably looks like deer. When I think about Ronnie's grandmother. I was thinking about Ronnie, like, but maybe with like a hood over the his elf. head. No, with, yeah, there's the evil there's elf. The evil on elf. Album. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a little bit, actually. Yeah. But um, but m- most astonishing was they actually had film clips of him in those very, very early days, like photos and stuff I hadn't seen even yeah. when I was working on the book. And I did a thorough internet search to try and find any, you know, you can get the audio, but here was some actual uh, film footage. It was fantastic. He looked so young. Well, he was so young, but... Um, so they did really, really well with the archive. So can I just say, there, there's also a part of the Dio story that I, I don't know if they tell in this that, that later came to light was that be, sort of pre-Wendy, Ronnie was married, wasn't he, and had a kid. You'd never know it from the documentary. Really? Yeah. Because it was only because I, it transpired that his son is a weatherman, isn't he, on TV, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is great. I, I was forbidden from going there in the book. There's one bit in Ronnie's own words, because he wrote extensively about his early years, which was fascinating, because I, I, I really knew nothing about that side of the story. Um, and he mentions in passing the first wife. Um, and I said to Wendy at the time, we can't just, you know, any editor worth their salt is going to go, oh, there's a first wife? Well, can we at least get yeah. a power or two? Yeah, you can, you can, you can sew it up real quick yeah like Tony Omi does in his yeah exactly, no, <laughs> well, exactly. we got married and but you can't just drop like, it I don't know we, I think we're divorced now yeah, <laughs> I think and Wendy said no yeah if, if Ronnie put it that's fine but we're not adding it so no so like I say there clearly were areas that were just verboten so the, the words Sharon Osbourne don't appear anywhere right I don't think the words Sharon Osbourne appear anywhere in the book either, although they did originally. Right. Because part of the Dio story, a key part, really, is is it's hard to, you know, subsequently what happened with Black Sabbath, it's hard to overemphasise what it was actually like when he joined Black Sabbath. I mean, it was, you know, it was a huge story. It was a huge shock in many ways because it was this radical yeah. departure in terms of... And there was a very entertaining and ongoing battle between Ozzy and Ronnie, wasn't it? Sort of, who would hurl insults at one another via the press. And That's all of not that, in the you know. documentary. What's in the documentary is uh, the last days of Sabbath with Ozzy. Uh, you've got Iommi and Giza talking about that. No Ozzy. 
um, because that involves Sharon, and it's just don't even go there. More trouble than it's worth. They'll want more money than we're getting. You know, all, all the stuff that makes sense from a logistical point of view. Plus the fact, I mean, we do know that story to a degree. I mean, Ozzy has done that story himself. It doesn't do Ronnie any favours. Right. Because... Ozzy would be hanging the dwarf on stage and firing water pistols full of piss. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie never did anything like that yeah. to Ozzy. I mean, he really yeah. was much more gentlemanly about the whole thing. I think because he realised how vulnerable it would make him yeah. up against this truly mad guy. But know? there was also this dynamic of the fact that they both parties made great albums. Yeah. Ozzy made Blizzard of Oz and... Uh, Sabbath made heaven and hell. Not mentioned. It's gone. Really? Yeah, yeah. but it was just what I was going to say with that is they kind of had slightly differing fates, didn't they? The Sabbath album is now regarded as a classic, mm. and it was sort of a it was a big album. It wasn't. It huge. was a big album. I, that's the album I worked yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, it was a big album, but Blizzard of Oz all of a sudden was just gigantic, wasn't it? And and it, well, Blizzard of Oz in the UK did okay. Yeah, but it, uh, sorry, it, I'm talking about America. Yeah, in America. Um, Heaven and Hell did was their best record, best selling record for five years. Blizzard came out and was okay until the biting the head off the dove. Yeah, that was the publicity uh, dynamite. It, it went insane. Yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, but but yes, it was also a great record. So, the, so the point I was making is there was a really interesting dynamic at that point between Ozzy and Ronnie. That, Not in that, the documentary. That sort of did set the. You know, the rest of their careers, they sort of went back and forth, didn't they? Not in the documentary. Um, I'm starting to wonder what is in this documentary, because everything I say, you go, no, yeah, it's not well, in Yeah, maybe there. if you let me speak, you'll find out. Well, I'm, 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 Would you like to know what's in the documentary? Not Shut really. the fuck I'd up and like, I'll tell you. I'd just like to tell Don Argo what and should be in his documentary. <laughs> from a man who hasn't even seen it. No, I haven't seen it. No, no. Right. Well, let, shut up then and I'll tell you what's in it. Well, carry on then. On you go. I'm trying. <laughs> I bet Yasmin loves arguing with you. Um, oh, she does. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think now. You, you've blown my mind. <laughs> well, we were talking about the early days. It comes. It, we get it to has, the, it has, we get we get to the revelation that that Wendy at first thinks Ronnie's this kind of. Well, no, actually, you have the whole story of Elf, Deep Purple, all that stuff. Uh, which is really good. They've got Roger Glover and various people. And uh, the Rainbow Years are covered very well. Um, and also the aftermath of Rainbow, where they are broke. There's one great bit in the, the documentary, because uh, he gets You're fired. You're talking about Ronnie, not Rainbow, are broke. Ronnie's broke. Ronnie's yeah, broke. Because yeah. he's just been fired from Rainbow. Right. Um, Ronnie... Uh, this is me saying this in in the documentary but it was in the book Ronnie didn't receive any royalties from Rainbow until after he died yeah Yeah. my god yeah so uh, and also the way it worked was that Rainbow's management which was the leftover Deep Purple management owned the house they lived in in um, upstate New York owned everything and so the day he lost the job, him and Wendy get in a station wagon and drive to L.A. Wow. Because she'd been a waitress at the Rainbow. That's how he met her. Uh, Richie named the band after the Rainbow. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And, and of course... Well, and himself. <laughs> and of course, the first, the track that Ronnie wrote about Wendy, which I think is on the first rainbow, was Catch, Catch, Catch the, the rainbow. rainbow. That's about Wendy. So, um, fucking hell, what are we going to do? And at this point, he is like 35. Uh, or, or or more, I can't remember. But, you know, it, it's like, what the fuck are we going to do? Right, we get in the station wagon and we drive for three days to LA because Wendy at least knows she can get a job as a waitress or whatever. And, Ronnie, uh, you'll have to, you know, do something. Guess who he bumps into in the rainbow? Tony Iommi. And that's the famous story everybody knows where Ronnie and... Because Ronnie's just sacked Ozzy... They go back to Tony's place. Tony's talking about doing a solo album. Ronnie's talking about doing a solo album. And Tony plays in the music to children, what becomes Children of the Sea. And One of that, the great classics. Absolutely. Of the, I remember of the, the first, rock canon. I remember when they did their first UK tour, um, Ronnie, because he loved his elaborate introductions, and he was explaining to the audience how on this sceptered aisle, you know, you are all. Children, children of the, the sea. sea and then the song uh, begins fantastic fantastic yeah. big frock oh, yeah. she, she was showing some of his clothes the huge frock <laughs> yeah. coat it's hilarious um um children of the sea first tour oh 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 so so um you know the, the suggestion comes up then as happened often in Naomi's career how about if it isn't my solo album yeah. and we make it a black sabbath album yeah and, uh, you know, Bill was all fucked up, didn't want to know, but he, he eventually, because they write him a big check, he comes in. Geezer is all fucked up. That always gets brushed under the carpet. There was some question over whether he even played on the album at one point. I think he did, because if you listen, it it's sounds... Geezer, it's yeah, really yeah, him. Yeah. But the initial demos and write... I mean, this, the band's lyricist, you know, he had nothing to do with it. Zero input. It was all Ronnie and Tony. And... Um, so it comes up this 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 offer to be the singer in Black Sabbath, which is different from singing on Iommi's solo album. I'm not going to replace Ozzy. This is lifetimes before Paul Rogers can sing yeah. Queen. Or, That's what I was the point I was driving yeah. at earlier. It just it didn't happen and didn't happen. So she says, Ronnie said to her, Wendy, I, I you know I'm not sure about this. I mean, I don't think I I don't know if I like their music. And Wendy goes, Ronnie, we've got $800 in the bank. You fucking love them. Yeah, yeah. And but she says that in the documentary. Because I only sitting behind him. Yeah, everybody's laughing. Yeah. You know. Because there was that whole question of how, you know, because, because the material was so unlike Ronnie. You know, how would Ronnie handle seeing Paranoid or Warpigs? or no sense. No. But the new material did. The new material was great. But and, it didn't sit with the old material. And, and you saying that, I'm literally thinking of something now for the first time, which is that, which again, the documentary gets into uh, the fact that, you know, the reason Ronnie left was fired from Rainbow was because Blackmore wanted to record this song, Since You've Been Gone, written by your very close friend. Russ Ballard. There you go. Yeah. And they play the original Russ Ballard. So you get the, and then they show the Rainbow. Because, as the book explains, as the documentary has me explaining in the documentary um rainbow were so big in japan they were bigger than the stones in japan they were big in britain they were big in europe they were never big in america and what rubbed richie wrong was that period 77 78 79 foreigner are all over the rain uh, the radio in america boston you know there's this whole new generation uh, and Rainbow just aren't in there. And Richie decides it's because Ronnie's always writing about Wizards and Kings. Um, I mean, I think that's as far as Ronnie would go, would be long live rock and roll. That was the yeah. closest you could push him to write a pop anthem. So since you've been gone, comes up and Ronnie says, no, that's it. And they go, well, f you're fired. Um, but what's interesting, I'm just thinking of is Blackmore wanted the band to become more generic so that they could have, hit singles and be big on the radio in America 
I think in the end they had like one song that was Since You've Been Gone made American Radio, but they never had any big hits, singles. Um, meanwhile, Ronnie joins Sabbath, who are really extreme metal by those standards of the 70s. Um, you know, you couldn't confuse them with Led Zeppelin no. or Deep Purple. They just had this sheet metal kind of sound, didn't they? And what no one knew uh, was that Iomi craved a singer like Ronnie James Dio so that Sabbath didn't have to sound so, I can't think of the right word, but, but very specific, almost punk. You know, real kind of street metal because Ozzy's voice isn't that generic Robert Plant, Paul Rogers type thing. And Iomi saw Dio's edition as completely opening up the market for Sabbath. So as Blackmore's going, I've got to get rid of this guy because it's too narrow. Iomi's going, this is great. This is mainstream. Yeah. This is, and they and they pretty much did that with Heaven and Hell, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic album, but for me, it was in that when it came out. Even though I was working for them, I had been an Aussie Sabbath fan as a kid at school buying the records. To me, it's like this is not a Sabbath. Album. No, it's it's an odd one because it wasn't at the time, but now it's now obviously it regarded as maybe you know some people maybe even argue it's the 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 Sabbath album. I mean, Ronnie makes three albums over his lifetime that are kind of pillars of of rock music: Rainbow Rising. Heaven and Hell and Holy Diver. You, absolutely. In the documentary, uh, I describe him as the Muhammad Ali of metal because he became world champion three times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and these albums, even that's why people like Jack Black go on about it because of those three records, especially if you grew up at that time, were huge. I mean, they were just, and I think it's because, precisely because they weren't commercial but they're you know they're melodic and they sound huge and they're very grand and all of those things but they're still rooted in a kind of culture that's immediately identifiable yeah i mean i and, I, I, and I ronnie can... got that that's how he lived his life i mean he you know if you see his house it looked like a castle you know he if you see him dressed when he's not on stage he's still wearing the kind of you know yeah. t-shirts and the, the yeah. flared sleeves and all the rest of it he never cut his hair he never went grunge he, you know he was always ronnie james dio that's how he lived that his was life. who he really yeah, was he, he, that's how he lived that was his really life him on stage and i think people, it was like kiss putting on the costume it, it, but uh, people know when something's authentic mm. and this goes through all of art you know mm. people know when it's when it's real and although ronnie dealt with the very unreal it was real to him and i think that's the secret in many ways. It, it, it really was. He was the most earnestly sincere guy about his work. You know, there was no joking, really. Mm. I mean, it I was mean, he serious. never he never did what Blackmore did and go and sat down and went, "I've got to write a hit." Never. Now, you know, he just always thought the song I want to write is "Holy Diver." The song I want to write is it, "Rainbow in the Dark." That is a point I actually make in the documentary where I oh, say well when he gets to well done get, you. when he gets to Madison Square Garden with Dio. I said, here's a guy, you know, not only is he the Muhammad Ali, blah, blah, blah. I said, but here's a guy who's never once and never would in his whole life write, sit down to write a hit single. Wasn't in his, wasn't even in his universe. No. But I'll tell you what else is in it, which I think you would like <laughs> or take the piss off. Um, I was astonished. I had mentioned to them this stuff was out there thinking, you know, Fucking hell, they found it. So quite near the beginning of the documentary, it cuts to that clip of... Do you remember when I went to Ronnie Dio's house? I do. I do. And we are playing pool. I do remember They've that. got that. Hard and heavy. A, yeah, yeah. on a big screen. Oh, amazing. And you, got, you had your little mullet, didn't you? Pretty big fucking mullet yeah. when you look at the yeah, movie. Yeah. Afterwards, because there's a, a drinks afterwards, the amount of people talking to me about my mullet, you know. <laughs> and you and Ronnie seeing who was the tallest. I don't think there was much doubt there, and I'm not a tall guy. You think you were towering over him, do you? (laughs) Did Ronnie have to use a rest a lot on the full table? Whoa, man. That's harsh vibes. But it's great footage, and the reason it's memorable, again, goes to that point I was making about the way Ronnie lived his life, was if you were a kid and you thought about what Ronnie Dio's house was like, 
it was absolutely like that. Well, if you remember the original Harden Heavy piece, we filmed the suits of armour. That's right. We the filmed. Book, he had a book, didn't he, on a lectern or something? A sixteenth century Bible. Right. At one point, we've got him sitting in this really ornate. It's not a throne, but it's a very ornate, very ornate chair, and he's got the Bible open on his lap. And he's got a candle, and, and yeah, he's yeah. got the um, the, the coloured wind, stained glass stained window. glass windows, yeah. and uh, and he makes some jokes, and then we're in his bar, me, him, and Wendy. Yeah, that's I remember this, and he goes something like, "You want a pint of English ale or something?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is where I do my most serious thinking. <laughs> yeah. and Wendy's sitting there, and and um, uh, so they they. They kind of they cut back to that two or three times to little different bits, but the main one is the pool and all that stuff, and uh, and then within a couple of minutes it cuts to me now saying something, and the caption comes up, uh, Mick Wall blah 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 in brackets, the bloke in the dodgy mullet, <laughs> and they have loads of little things like that throughout, yeah. which really adds a lovely. Uh, sparkle to it because yeah. it because it, it, it isn't po-faced um, I was really taken aback I mean I enjoyed I enjoyed it um, I do have to say one thing though and this is why I think Don hasn't got back to me I'm all over it like a cheap suit of armour I am I am basically your narrator and guide from beginning middle end and it's great because I'm really, they've made me look amazing. Like I know everything. I think it's because I just finished the book. So I really knew all the crap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I definitely should be on some fucking royalties there. No. <laughs> Who's your but agent? But I'm not. Who's your agent? Need it wasn't, it. it wasn't done through an agent. No, that's your problem. You I'll see. tell you what they offered me originally. You can't sit here moaning now. Originally, when they came to me, they offered me nothing because right. we don't, you know, we don't have a big budget. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the usual starting point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But we do, you, we're doing this multi-million dollar yeah, film in LA yeah, and London. Yeah. We don't have any money. No. No. But, do you but have any, I'm willing to fly over to film you. Yeah, with yeah. my crew. Yeah, with my crew. But we've not and got all the any, equipment. We've not, got, we've not even got 50 quid for no, you. No, no. Um, very tight budget. Very mercilessly tight yeah, budget. Yeah. And they were like, and, and do you have any recordings of you interviewing Ronnie that we could... Yeah, we could use yeah. for nothing. Yeah. 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 So Couldn't I'd, pay you for them. It's great exposure. Yeah. Great for the, exposure for That's you. the one they always say. For the book. Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, so I said no. You should have said, yeah, if you agree to me sitting on a pile of the book, holding the book, <laughs> reading out passages from the book, I'll do it. Um, I just said no. Yeah. And they came back with what by UK standards, having done loads of these fucking things, was a very generous offer. And then you look at it and you go, fucking hell, they really fucked me there. Yeah. But there you go. It, it is, at the end of the day, no one cares about that. They just want to see it, right? John, and then it goes past the glory days, has hearing aid clips yeah, of that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. They've got one of... Um, David. So you should say what happened was there was Live Aid. There, sorry, there was there was Band Aid. Yes. Then there was Live Aid. Yes. And then there was Hearing Aid. That's right. Which was Heavy Metal's response yes. to the, the yeah. crisis, led by Ronnie. Well, it was Jimmy that came up with the idea because Jimmy was pissed off that Jimmy Dio weren't... Jimmy Bain, sorry, weren't involved in, like, the Live Aid yeah. thing. Sabbath were. Yeah, because obviously the Live Aid people thought, oh, Michael Jackson, Bob Dylan, Jimmy Bain. I mean, it's the big three, really, isn't it? <laughs> So, um, uh, so it's got foot, uh, archive footage from the guys in the studio uh, making. I can't remember. Rat were on it. Stars, yeah, oh, st lo loads. Yeah. But they've got. It's really funny. Dio's producing, and <laughs> Don Dokken is trying to sing his bit, and and, and Don Dokken has got him now saying, you know, that was like the worst day of my life. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm being asked to sing in front of Ronnie, Ronnie James, Dio, yeah. and he's producing, yeah. and it cuts to the moment where Don's in the, and he's like whatever he's doing and Ronnie's at the desk going like this so Ronnie hits cut he goes you can do better and Don's like, oh, yeah, yeah, goes, like I'm just a little nervous in front of you Ronnie and Ronnie's looking at the engineer going yeah. there you go. but here's the really funny good, good on Don Dockham for being a sport in oh absolutely yeah. but 
Malmsteen was at the session, oh, right? Oh, was he? Oh, God. Plus David St. Hubbins from Spinal <laughs> Tap, right? And he it, would have probably looked almost identical at that point <laughs> because he wore that shirt, didn't he, that Malmsteen always wore? Well, he had the blonde hair. Yeah, though, he had, didn't no, he? he had the blonde hair, but he always wore the, he used to wore the puffy <laughs> shirt. That was his thing. So it cuts to him at, at that session, dressed like that, and... Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, in that voice, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a tr- I can't do the voice. It's a tremendous uh, honour yeah. yeah. to be with the legend, you know, and we've got everybody here today. And it's like Blackie Lawless, you know, <laughs> <laughs> James Dio, yeah. And then he goes, and, 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 and best of all for me, um, Ingve J. Malmsteen. And it's very important to know, note the J <laughs> to differentiate him from all those other <laughs> Ingve Malmsteens that Knocking we know out. of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, and good. so, again, I'd never seen that before. That was very good. But then um, it, it goes into the commercial decline. It shows a bit of Smells Like Teen Spirit and says, look, this is where it all ended yeah. for all of them. And it has, it goes into the... the well, he sort of has a slightly unhappy reunion again with sabbath doesn't he that runs into that gets only meant that the dehumanizer yeah album. yeah that is only mentioned in passing mm. i think because it, 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 it that leads it well what happened to that well what happened to that was that's when sharon came along squashed it because she wanted to get the aussie lineup back together yeah. and that leads into the story of modesto where her suggestion was the Ronnie Sabbath, as they were still known in 92 or whatever it was, open the show. Then Ozzy comes on and does a solo show. And then for the encore, big surprise, it's the original Sabbath. And Ronnie went, no. And they got Rob Halford in instead. That's right, yeah. Which so, is, it, you know, there's, a, there's an alternative world in which Ronnie thinks, you know, this is an absolute opportunity really because you go on first and it's a bit like you go on first you absolutely kill it you know and then Ozzy has to follow it that wasn't I mean don't forget it's him and Wendy at this point yeah and the fact that Tony because Peachy obviously wasn't what, what's, what strikes me in all of this which is I think a great shame uh, is that Ronnie I mean he, I don't think he ever quite lived to see the affection in which he's now held and the esteem in which he's now held i mean i know he was i think I know he got a bit of that towards the towards end. the end but this kind of sort of rebirth you know because there was the whole uh kind of the, the the grunge sort of hangover that existed for quite a while yeah. and it was only just after that you say when jack black came along and started to sort of do his own tributes to Dio, and Rush were another kind of beneficiary of that kind of thing. And um, also, and also, um, the label put out Black Sabbath, the Dio years. Yeah, that so compilation. you had all of that, and then all of a sudden he becomes this sort of cultural figure again. And I don't think I think it's a shame that he never got to see that. You know how big he is now. I, I agree. I mean, I think there was quite a lot of love towards the end. It shows him his final public appearance at the Golden Gods Awards, which was classic rock and metal hammer, mm. blah blah blah. Um, I, I think he, I think he did get some of that, but he went through many years of the opposite, being yeah. so. Again, I'm in it explaining how in '96 I was back doing his PR with Roland. And he came over with Wendy. Um, John, I couldn't get a yeah. single person um, to interview him. And you're talking about one of the great singers in, in hard rock. Kerrang said no. Yeah. Metal I mean, Hammer said no. Uh, Raw was gone by then. Yeah. Um, but even like, you know, Metal Forces and all this, nobody. In the end, I got a stringer from a Japanese magazine and one of those Metal Edge or whatever the fuck it was. And I remember we were also doing Ugly Kid Joe at the time. Yeah. And um, Ronnie and Wendy came to the office, and not the singer of Ugly Kid Joe, but the guitarist. Ronnie walked in and he went, <gasps> Ronnie James Dio! And he falls to his knees and he's like, We are right, not yeah. worthy! We are not worthy! We are not worthy! You know. Um, but it, it has yeah. little archive footage of him doing these tiny pubs and dives. Yeah. Uh, there was one show I was at in, 
I'll say Germany. I don't know where it was. But, you know, the changing room was the toilet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, you know, this is a guy who, as you say, he's played Madison Square Garden and a lot, you know, but he the kept, Forum in LA and all of that stuff. But he, but it's but got, he's still going because he's a trooper. He's a, he's in it for life. He's a, it's yeah. like he's in the pub and the people are there, right up yeah. close. He's like, you know, only a tiny bit higher than on this small stage, but he's still giving it the full, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, like, and, 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 and I think, you know, I think that, yeah, obviously everyone had in that sort of music did go through that if they kept going, you know, and then came out the other side. And it's just, I mean, you can imagine Ronnie, had he still been around, I don't know, I mean, he'd, he'd be a bit old now, but you say he's been dead 12 years and he was... Well, 60, he's six, nearly sixty-eight six, when he died. When he died, so he'd be he'd be coming 80. up for eighty now. But if you if you go back sort of seven or eight years, you can imagine if he did a, one of those kind of all-star solo albums. I mean, he, he would have had oh. every legend queuing up to play yeah. on it with him. Yeah, which would have you know, it's just a shame. I hear what you're saying. It would no, have been a abs- terrible album, but it would have been nice for him to have it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. So um, it does that. It covers the kind of rebirth with Heaven and Hell. Uh, so now back, he's back doing arenas. Again, no mention of the two words, Sharon Osbourne. It was like, we thought... But, we... That's, but that's the reason they're called Heaven and Hell rather than... Yes, of Sabbath, course, because yeah. Sharon Osbourne injuncted them and refused yeah. to let them use the name yeah. after she'd uh, insisted Iomi return his share of the name when he was in a spot of bother and she bailed him out years yeah. before. Um, so no, that none of that comes up, and I and I get why because it just gets messy. It doesn't. It, it in terms of what this is, it doesn't further the story. Um, uh, but you do see heaven and hell. Uh, you do see lots of very interesting stuff, um, and then you get straight into when he's got all these stomach pains, and. Um, uh, uh, and, and like I say, leading up to uh, there's there's I tell you what is great in the '90s. Just to finish on on that point, um, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there's a famous YouTube clip where Ronnie was filmed giving an interview, like on his tour bus. I'm going to say '94. This is whatever the opposite of peak is. That's what this is. And he obviously just doesn't give a shit anymore. He just is telling you what he really thinks. And it's some kid interviewing him, some young, you know. And he is angry. He's fucking angry. If you look at the whole clip, it's like quite wow. I mean, I'd seen him like that, Mm. but never in public. Um, They showed a bit of that. Yeah, it was like kudos, you know. Uh, And then, as I say... um, actual footage of him in the hospital talking to the doctors in the bed you know yeah and um and then towards the end it ends with the clip of wendy uh walking up to his grave in la and it, and it's a huge you know it's not just a simple grave. yeah it's no of big, course it's not of course it's not it's, Ryan. <laughs> That's right. it's bigger than him and then in the corner somewhere there's there's yeah, that yeah. fantastic devil horn yeah. Salute, as yeah. they call it now. Oh, that has to be on there, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Wendy was, uh, you know, very honest and moving on the subjects she was okay talking about. So it seemed to me as if everybody had made a really strong attempt to make a great piece of work. And particularly Don and his team. I mean, I just take my hat off to them. and it, It's hard to go to that they did. I said to someone afterwards that could have been half as good as it was, and it would have totally ticked every yeah, box. Yeah. Wow, it was so much better. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, so I would strongly recommend people go and see it, especially your bits. I look forward Mate, to your. If bits. you go and see any of it, I'm you in can, it. Yeah, you're in it more than Ronnie. <laughs> I am. No, <laughs> in actual no, fact, I'm it should not, be called no. the Ronnie James Dio <laughs> film, starring Mick Wall. No, no, it's Dreamers Never Die. No. The it's the, Ronnie James the, the Dio's li- Dreamers Never Die, featuring featuring Ronnie James Dio, Dio and Mick Wall. Mick Wall. Or, yeah. yeah. What were we going to say? Well, maybe just featuring Mick Wall. Yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. Or, or it could just be Ronnie James Dio and Mick Walls. Yeah. <laughs> Dreamers yeah. Never Die yeah. featuring, featuring Mick Walls. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's definitely what it should be. Yeah. I yeah. don't think they'd care because I don't get any of the money and they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> all, all kidding aside, it's a great piece of work. I really look forward to seeing it. Genuinely looking forward to seeing it. Right. Now, are we going to unbox this? We you're, are. you're doing that thing This now, is a final. You? We thought we'd end the show, this part of the show, whatever it is. Is it a show? Whatever the fuck it is. Mick, as I walked into the studio, as we call it. This <laughs> My morning, home studio. The home studio. Fully equipped. On the large part of Oxfordshire that he, oh, yeah, my estate. That he occupies, my estate. Um, uh, he, there was a he goes, look at you. Look at that box in the corner. Look at it. Go on, just look at it. Look at it. See if you can lift it. See if you can lift that box in the corner. No, I said, I said it. it. Just arrived before it. you did. Well, you were trying to tug the corner off with your. Oh, no, I can't do that. Can't anymore. do it. I said, what's in it? And he said, uh, it's all this Dio stuff. So I said, well, don't open it now. We'll open it on the show. live. So neither of us know. What Although is you inside? Did have a sneak oh, well, I've, I've pulled, seen I pulled, nothing. I pulled the, the bubble wrap. So we're now pulling back. The, it's a, it's a, it's a box, just slightly bigger than a uh, an album, a, a vinyl album, but but quite deep. And inside, there are lots ah. of things that have the Holy Diver logo on. I'm picking because up one now. Because that's the Holy Diver says, album. Uh, Holy Diver. This is the Holy Diver album. Dio by Ron Dio. It doesn't. Dio featuring Mick Walt, no, just Dio. Four, I'm going to read out what's on the label. Four CDs. Oh, yeah. CD1, 2022 remix by Joe Baracy. Don't know him. CD2, 2022 remaster. CD3, live in Fresno, 1983. CD4, outtake singles and B-sides. Oh, yeah. New artwork, extensive liner notes. If you look on the back, who might they be? If by? you look, no, look. If you look on the back, it says "The Holy Diver Story" by Mick. Ward. The Holy Diver Story <laughs> by Mick. That's right. So that's why we're holding this. Holy that's that's thing number one that's in the box. Oh, vinyl. thing number two is vinyl. Wow. So basically, so this is three a, versions of the CDs and yeah, three of the vinyl. And this is I haven't held. Holy Diver on vinyl since I bought it, I suspect, on vinyl when it came out in 1983. Yeah, 83. Yeah, 83. Well, listen, Remember if you want to buy that, if you want to buy that one, buy this one I, I can do you a deal. Can we you? take the bubble wrap off? Or can we take the plastic off? Or are you going to flog it? Of course, I'm not going to flog it. Of course, you can take the. Because I want to see what's inside, because that's part of the fun of an album. Of course, it's a gatefold. Exactly, and Let's the smell, and you open it so up. I don't know what it's, what's it going to smell of. You Don't didn't you say anything about a smell. Smell the glove. The s- yeah. When I used to buy a gatefold record, it, comes. I, it would be the smell, you know, like a new car smell, you know, a new record smell. very keen on this geezer Joe Baracy, who I've never heard of. Oh, that, no, he's the real deal. Mean. He's the real deal, yeah. Is he? He really is. Yeah, oh. I interviewed him for it. <laughs> you fucking lie. What no, I'm it, not a liar. I interviewed say, him and all the producers. Why doesn't it say... Stephen Wilson. I would have thought he's a, <laughs> Oh, look at this. I'm going to turn this around. You're going to fucking love this. Go on, let's have this a look. is amazing. We're going to get Mick Wall's live reaction to what's inside the gatefold. <laughs> it's Malcolm Dunn. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really amazing. That what they've done, if you know the cover of Holy Diver, it's a, a priest bound in chains yeah. being chucked into the sea drowning in the hu- sea yeah, yeah by a huge devil H- and his and glasses are falling off but you know they gave that huge devil a name because he appeared in other oh, they did didn't they yeah what was he called denzel or something murray murray <laughs> so murray the devil is there but when you open up the gatefold they've obviously commissioned someone to paint a yeah. massive close-up oh, yeah. of the vicar being chucked yeah. into the drink yeah and it's amazing it's huge and look who's reflected in his glasses Oh, it's Murray. It's Murray's reflected. Oh, that's in his a clear, that's, that's the kind that's, of detail. That's worth having on its own. Well, in the documentary, John, yeah. they they talk about, they recreate the photo shoot for the cover. <laughs> and do you know who took the picture? A guy we used to work with, Gene. Gene oh, in LA, Gene. Yeah, no, the name Gene does ring a bell. It'll be on there somewhere. Gene Ambrosio. Yeah, yeah something like it's that. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, Gene well, he oh, was like, name. it'll be there somewhere. Or if you Google, uh, do a wiki on Holy Diver. Gene, mm. not Rosenberg, but, you know, Gene. Gene's going to hate us now for this. He is. Anyway, can I tell you the story? Yeah, go on. You do it. I'm trying to find Gene. So Gene, Gene had only just begun as a photographer, okay? 
So the guy in the sea is actually the art director. Oh. <laughs> He's come up with this idea of this priest covered, bound in yeah. chains, fighting. So they're saying if someone's getting chucked in the sea, mate, it's you. Well, Gene, what's his fucking name? Gene is just a kid and knows nothing of what's about to happen. He's on the documentary telling the story and they do a recreation of it. And he goes, he goes, this dude, this old dude is like putting these chains around his neck. And next thing he's like throwing himself in the sea. I'm like, whoa. And he goes, and the guy was yelling at him, take the fucking picture. <laughs> take the fucking picture. He's like, oh, dude, he's trying to get his camera and it's all raining. And so he finally goes, he goes, I, I think I probably shot like a roll of film. He goes, but then he really was starting to drown. He said, so I had to put the camera down. He goes, and basically just haul him back in off the chains. He said he nearly went. Uh, Excellent. That's very good. So that's a very nice package, and I would say well worth having. Yeah. So they've done Ronnie Proud. Well done. Fair play. I tell you what, uh, uh, they really have done him proud. And when you think of all the cheesy catalogue release, I mean, Sabbath. You know, I saw Steve... I don't remember anybody's fucking name. The guy does a catalogue at Universal, been there for years. Um, he put out a box set, a Black Sabbath, original Aussie lineup era Black Sabbath box oh, set. I think I had that. Was that, it like mini CDs or something? I had one of those. It was a huge box. They sold it for 126 oh, no, quid. Yeah. It had the original six or seven Aussie albums, Sabbath, on CD. It came with a poster which barely was barely as big as my keyboard, computer keyboard. It came with some plectrums, and it came with an additional CD. And it says on the cover, interviews with Ozzy Osbourne, Bill Ward, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler. There's not one word from any of them on there. It's Malcolm Dome mm. doing his Tommy Vance voice, uh, the singer of Orange Goblin, talking about what a fucking huge influence they were. And some other yeah. nobody, a couple of other nobodies, who gives a fuck, right? And uh, and I went on Amazon and I saw you could buy all the Aussie CDs brand new for a total of 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wrote a review which basically said, look, if you want these albums, go and spend 20 quid. If you want to spend an additional £106, and the box has already started to fall apart within <laughs> yeah. a few days. I said on a shit poster, some plectrums, and a, box. And a CD of interviews, uh, none of which feature Aussie or Sabbath, but loads of people like the singer of Orange Goblin. I said, be my guest. And then I kind of said, look, I get it. Catalogue is where it's at. And then my final words were, but don't take the piss. And from that day to this, he's never forgiven me. That's 20 years ago, and uh, 20 years, 15. And I, he was there the other night, and he brought it up again. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, we sold 5,000 of those. I yeah. said, yeah, and it was still shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't joking. Yeah. He really gets on my wit. See, that was part of the reason why I didn't want to go to that thing, because there'd be people like that there. Yes, but there were there were lots of other fun people there as well. It was, I'm really glad I went. Good. I'm really glad. Um, there's a lot of affection. Do you know what you're saying? A lot of affection for Dio, but that era. Yeah. And you and I That's are a, of that well, era. We are, yeah. So I think that, you know, there was a lot of love in the room for us. Us, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I can basically. go along with that. Yeah. Right, and on that bombshell, I think that's enough, isn't it? That's enough. That's- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. How do I stop this, Fern? 